In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8 verses 38-39. I love these verses full of Paul's optimism, full of the meaning of Christianity. We're sinners, we can't save ourselves, God loves us in spite of who we are. In fact, he loved us so much and could tell we were struggling to make it on our own that he sent his only son to die once and for all on the cross for our sins. Not just my sins, but mankind's sins, past, present, and future. Everyone is saved. Take the gift and open it. Surrender and enjoy. Nothing is able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift, Christ Jesus. Even the unconditional love of a parent can't compare to this kind of love. Admit it, we all love our children when they're asleep and looking angelic. Can we love them so completely that no matter what they do, they'll forever be those angelic angels in our sight, and we will treat them accordingly? A minister I was listening to this week said she was a Christian because of the love of God. Now, even non-Christians could say that, although I was reminded that perhaps the God of Islam was not a loving God. My point was, why didn't she say the love of God in Christ Jesus? She was giving us the reason she was a Christian, after all. She failed to mention the person for whom her faith is named. I found that odd. And this is what we need to be aware of, the presumption that people today know what we mean when we say we're Christians and have a loving God. Many faiths acknowledge the presence of God, but only one faith acknowledges Christ as being the only way to accept God's love. And once accepted, never to be separated. Christians should be a witness to Christ. Are we forgetting that? Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to the Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNinney. My guest this week is Steve Richards, returning for a second round of homeschooling conversation. I'll also be talking about the resignation of Rowan Williams, my daughter's brilliance at her college performance competitions, the House of Lords, and a dreadful play. Mini Bakewell tarts are what I'm going with this afternoon. Almond paste tucked inside a tart with a thick icing, Topped with a cherry, washed down with a cup of tea. What more could I want on this bright and sunny English day? Well, your full attention, of course. So here we go. Well, it looks as though we're having a slight connect problem um, with our guest, Steve Richards. So I'm just going to carry on. Um, Rowan Williams has announced his resignation effective at the end of the year. 
So still a lot of time to appoint the next Archbishop of Canterbury, which is a lengthy process, one we all hope God will be a part of. A lot of supporters said his was not a job to be envied. A lot of detractors thought he ruined the Anglican Union. Decide for yourselves. I go to the website Stand Firm to get some ideas. It would be easy for me to say that upholding the Bible, following Jesus' teachings, and meditating on the Gospels and Paul's words should make decision-making black and white, that even the early church had factions and disagreements. Church leaders seem to be afraid to go against public opinion. This week, I read in a Times magazine guidelines on dress code in the royal enclosure at Ascot. No skirts above the knee, no spaghetti straps, no décolletage, and no women in trousers. Enough is enough. Time to return to the decorum of the past before fashion's moral decline. Now, how come a secular event can issue dictates thus hampering individual freedoms, yet the church is not brave enough to? Sadly, the church would be attacked for an attempt to enter into our private lives by questioning our behavior and Debrett's is the final word in all things etiquette to be respected and obeyed. As my guest, Steve Richards, and I will discuss later on when he um, manages to connect with us, there are all kinds of controversy in England about still having the church in secular places, chaplains in hospitals, clergy at council meetings, and bishops in the House of Lords, simply because their presence is part of our historical culture. A comment made by Lord Griffiths, the Methodist minister, says, I've come to see that they, he was talking about the bishops in the House of Lords, have a legitimacy that not many others in that august chamber possess. They represent a diocese, a constituency where they can speak with authority about the life of whole communities, from conditions on housing estates to issues relating to economic and social development. I've come to respect them, much against my expectations. One of our group members at our Lenten group at church said, the members of the House of Lords aren't politicians, they're simply there as watchdogs to make sure the government isn't trying to do something completely against the people's welfare. I was astonished that this comment made me, a Brit born and bred, beetle back to the history books to find out what he was talking about. I had absolutely no idea or had forgotten how the two Houses of Parliament were made up or worked. So this is what I found out after some mild research. Our Parliament goes back to Anglo-Saxon times almost a thousand years ago. Impressive, huh? Back before the Norman Conquest, there were two levels of informal government. Remember, the king was absolute in those days. When the king needed advice... He called a Witana Gimot, an Anglo-Saxon phrase, shortened American style to Witan, a meeting of wise men who were the king's leading advisors and noblemen, his closest buddies. These wise men, royal cronies, listened to the king and his plans, even advised him that he didn't need their assent to take action. Really, he was just batting around an idea to see if it sounded as good or out loud as it did in his head. He'd end up doing exactly what he wanted to do because that's the way monarchy worked all those years ago. As time passed, the king started to govern using a smaller but permanent inner council of what had now evolved from listening friends to more active advisors. He took some note of his advisors, but if he wanted more support for additional taxation, he would pull in additional peers that erred on his side and churchmen hungry for money to help bolster support. This larger group 
became known as the Great Council and formed the basis of the modern-day Upper House of Parliament, the House of Lords. Now, at the village and town level, regular meetings were held for each county or shire called moots. Here, complaints were heard and local matters were discussed. Moots were attended by local lords and bishops, the sheriff, and most importantly, four representatives from each village. After the Norman conquest, the moots became known as the county court, and the notion of representative government at the local level was slowly generated. These two separate gatherings remained separated for many centuries, but they did eventually come together to form a parliament of two houses, the aristocratic lords and the locally representative commons. Thus, we have the House of Lords and the House of Commons, collectively known as the Houses of Parliament, the lovely long structure adjacent to the clock tower of Big Ben that every tourist takes their photographs in front of, me included, running parallel to the River Thames. The whole area is called Westminster and has been our seat of government for a thousand years. Now, in the House of Lords, there are around 830 members made up of three different types of lords. You have life peers who are appointed for their lifetime only. Their title and privilege cannot be passed on to their children. Archbishops and bishops, of which there are 26, all members of the Church of England, when they retire, they can't continue to sit and vote. Their membership is passed on to the next most senior bishop. The archbishops of Canterbury and York do traditionally get life peerages on retirement, so they can remain seated in the House of Lords. And then there are the elected hereditary peers whose right to sit and vote ended in 1999. However, 92 members from this group were elected internally to remain until the next stage of the Lord's reform process. The Lords aren't elected by the public. The majority are appointed by the Queen on the recommendation of the Prime Minister or the House of Lords Appointments Commission. So, membership in the House of Lords does not require you to have a political background. Many Lords are non-party political. Aha, so my Lenten group were right. They don't represent constituencies and they are not members of a political party. The House of Lords is made up of men and women with long careers in public service, business, arts and culture, or another area of activity. They contribute their expertise and knowledge to Parliament and its work. As an aside, the bishops in the House of Lords are known as the Lords Spiritual and the rest are known as the Lords Temporal. Here lies the difference between the houses. There are 650 MPs, members of Parliament, each representing a part of Great Britain known as a constituency. Nearly all MPs represent political parties. They're elected by the public to represent the people's interests and concerns in the House of Commons. The work of both these houses is similar. Making laws, legislation, checking the work of the government, scrutiny, and debating current issues arguing. And if you've ever watched Parliament on telly, they like to argue a lot. Generally, the decisions made on one in one house have to be approved by the other, ensuring checks and balances. The only exception to that rule is the Commons alone are responsible for making decisions on financial bills such as proposed new taxes. The Lords can consider these bills but cannot block or amend them. The Kings and his cronies back in the day ruined that, didn't they? As coincidence would have it, my blue-eyed cowboy went to the House of Lords this week to meet an acquaintance of ours from the Mercy Ships, Lord McCall. 
I told him to address Lord McCall as my lord during conversation. And he said to me, oh, he's told me to call him Ian. Oh, well, so much for Debrett's. Lord McCall is a staunch Christian who's fighting against the slave trade in Western countries at the moment. And I wonder what he'd think of some of the discussion we're having in our Lenten group about the secularism of our society. My Texan didn't have time to go into that with his most esteemed host, but obviously bishops in the House of Lords aren't the only Christians there. And we're going to have to go on a break, so I'll be right back after about 90 seconds. So go get yourself a cup of tea. See you later. Bye. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Want to be challenged in a powerful way to leap beyond what you think is possible? Then join us Mondays for the Leah Jansen Show. Every Monday at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com with Leah Jansen. Listen live as life coach Leah uses her coaching skills to give you the tools you need to take action and create momentum. You are encouraged to call in and share your greatest fears, challenges, and obstacles. And then listen as Leah obliterates those barriers to success. For more on Leah and the show, check out her website, leahjansen.com. That's Leah, L-E-A-H, J-A-N-T-Z-E-N.com. Spend one hour with Leah, and you'll be captivated by her energy, enthusiasm, and magnetism. You'll quickly become addicted to her positive attitude and make-it-happen mentality. Ready for a life-changing, mood-altering show? Then get ready for Leah Jansen. And listen live to The Leah Jansen Show every Monday morning at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. All right, I'm back. I've had my refreshing cup of tea, and my guest is on the line, Steve Richards, the founding member of one of the home education groups here in England called Home Service. He's spoken widely on the topic of home education in the United Kingdom and overseas, and both he and his wife, Lynn, are directors of North Star Worldwide, a community of students and tutors who use the Internet to learn and study together. 
As a couple, they homeschooled their own children, and through their involvement with North Star Worldwide, they're able to offer first-hand support and resources to homeschooling families all over the world. Steve has had extensive school-based experience, having been a head teacher at several learning institutions, and throughout his career, he's written about the education system in England. Welcome, Steve. Thank you for joining me again this afternoon. Thank, thank you very much indeed, and, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. Uh, um, I sound very impressive there. Well, you know, that's, that's what I try to do. Actually, I'm, I'm, people send me their bios all the time, and I rework them, and I don't change anything. I might just, you know, sort of just change the order of some of their things. And they always say to me, wow. Well, I, <laughs> so I guess I didn't maybe I have a calling. Myself. Obviously, my wife sent that into you. Oh, yes. Well, maybe she did. Somebody <laughs> did that. I don't know where. Well, I, I, I don't know. I hope it's true. I, I it hope is it's true. true. It is yeah, yeah, I, you, true. You're not. You're not. You're not. Uh, uh, you're not deceiving your listeners at all. No. Well, good. Good. Well, actually, I did. I did. Did wonder about the um, home service. You did start a group called Home yes. Service, didn't you? Yes. With, yeah. with, with, a num- with a number of other families back in 1992 or thereabouts. Um, yeah. Uh, we got together and, and, and we set up the home service. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was, I was thinking about that because I, I was going to ask you that question and I thought, I wonder why people start groups because I've never felt the urge to start a group. I join groups, but I've never really felt the urge to start a group. So I suppose it's just like-minded people decide that they maybe want to organize. Or what, what's, what's behind well, starting I, I, a group? In some respect, you know, I wonder whether we, ha- we actually have too many people who want to start groups. Um, uh-huh. Because certainly uh, one of the things that always worries me is when Christians fragment. Um, yeah. uh, and, I, and I think it's very easy to sort of uh, not find quite what one's looking for and then decide to do it oneself. Um, mm-hmm. Now, of course, the bottom line is if everybody did that, then we'd have millions of groups with just one or two members um the reason home service started in the early 90s was because at that time the number the numbers of home of christian home educators in the uk uh was tiny um i mean we would travel 40 or 50 miles to visit another family um Uh and there was no support network there was nobody out there who was actually providing any level of support for families and of course back in the early 90s this was pre-internet um so if you wanted to have a conversation with somebody it either meant phoning or it meant visiting um and actually the even the process of finding other people was was incredibly difficult because how did you go about finding people so that's really where the home service came from it it was trying Mm -hmm. to meet a need for people who felt who were very radical i mean people who were home educating in the uk in the early 90s were exceptionally radical and courageous um Mm -hmm. and uh it was providing it was trying to provide a mechanism to enable those people to actually know about each other and to meet up mm. and so going from there i'm going to talk to you about north star worldwide because the last time we had our conversation i was going to talk to you about north north star worldwide and we never got that far so i really need to um extend you the courtesy i suppose of starting with North Star Worldwide, which is your, um, do you describe it as a secondary um, global or online? Yeah, the the difficulty for us is, I mean, I I, I can understand why people use the term homeschool, particularly in a North American context, but the the Mm. idea of school is something which 
um, as an institution is something which I'm uncomfortable with. Um, it, mm. it, it describes certain things to me in terms of um, professional people managing one's time, telling one when one can learn, telling one what ca- what one can learn, and so on. Um, now, I know it's me being a bit picky on this one. So when people ask me what North Star is, um, I, I try to avoid the use of the word school. But inevitably, we get sucked in to that terminology. And, and in the end, we are a sort of online secondary school. But I actually prefer learning community much more, um, to be perfectly frank. But it's a bit long-winded. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, tell me about it, how it started, why you felt the need to um, start this with, you, with your wife. Did you start it with your wife? Did you start it? Uh, yeah, we did. We, we, back, in, uh, back in 1999, and, and there is a, um, a sort of uh, a transatlantic link here as well, because back in, back in the mid to late 90s, I worked with an organisation in the UK called CARE, within uh, Care, uh, Care for Education, as a project manager. It's a Christian organisation. CARE stands for Christian Action, Research and Education. Um, and uh, one of the things they allowed me to to do to continue my interest in in was um, obviously home education and also uh, the use of technology to uh, to link families together. Um, mm-hmm. At the time, um, I'd begun to to spend um, a certain amount of time visiting conferences that were focused at uh, missionary families, particularly in Eastern Europe. And um, what I discovered was that large numbers of families uh, were having home education thrust upon them, if you like. They were going to pretty remote areas, uh, and therefore the educational options they had for their families, for their children, was either placing the children in a, a local school, you know, a Romanian school, a Bulgarian school or whatever, or packing them off to boarding school. Um, oh. And for a large number of families, neither of those two options was was particularly attractive. So they were opting to to home educate. But these weren't families who were choosing home education for perhaps um, philosophical or ideological reasons. These were people who were having home education, if you like, thrust upon them. And and for a lot of these families, they were feeling very vulnerable, very exposed. um, And the mums especially were, a lot of them were lacking in confidence that they'd actually made the right choice for their children. What they needed was support. And, And we really saw the use of technology as a way of, of supporting these families uh, and enabling them, particularly in the secondary years, to, to receive a curriculum which was going to be at least as good as what they would get back at home, um, mm-hmm. uh, particularly leading up to uh, the, the UK public examinations, the GCSEs or the IGCSEs. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, North Star started on the back of um, a, a, a real need that we saw, particularly for families on the mission field. Um, we knew that uh, UK-based families would also tap into it as well. Um, but if I'm honest, m- the real burden that we carried was having spoken to uh, particularly some of these mums and some of these dads who were on the mission field and really did need support and assistance. So that's really where we started. Now, around about 1998, uh, I attended a, a conference on new technology and education in Dallas, uh, down in Texas, and bumped into uh, a guy who was setting up a similar venture uh, in Canada, uh, a guy called Brett Bowers, um, who was a, a Texan, 
um, married a Canadian girl, and uh, they were setting up North Star Academy, as was then. Uh, and uh, we got talking, we got on very well together, and in the end, we, we linked up, and uh, that's when North Star UK, as was, now North Star Worldwide, came from, um, really on the back of um, our mutual understanding between the two of us as, as, as to where we saw online learning going. Right, well, that's interesting. How how you're and Anna, you're still affiliated with the Canadian portion of North Star. Well, well, Brett moved back to to the USA um, uh, a number of years ago, and uh, there is a Canadian uh, version of, of North Star um, North Star Academy, but there's also a US version. Uh, I'm not sure Brett is any longer linked with North Star Academy, um, and, and our linkage with them is really simply down to the odd email. We were never formally associated. It was much more a, um, a social, relational thing. Um, mm. We were never owned by the same company or anything of that sort. It was really really um, mutual friendship and sharing of expertise that held us together. Um, uh, so we don't have a huge amount to do with the, with the Canadian or, or, or the U.S. operation now, although we do exchange emails um, every now and again. Just just this last couple of weeks, we've been uh, uh, in discussions with, uh, with our Canadian colleagues about one or two matters. Now, okay, so we know a little bit about how North Star Worldwide started and that it's an online um, support and much more curriculum-based um, um, system for homeschooling parents outside the UK, but the UK can still can obviously tap in. Anybody can. Um, but exactly how does it function, and what do you mean? What do you mean by secondary? How how old are secondary children? Okay. Um, I mean, if I if I run through how we function first, it's it's. I think it's staggeringly simple and straightforward. Basically, we um, we use the internet to um, to link students with tutors and to link students with one another. Um, at, its, at its simplest and crudest level, that's what we do. Now, in order to enable that to happen, we use a web-based um, content management system. Basically, we have uh, somewhere on the internet uh, where we store our lesson materials um, and, and we provide students with access to that area. It's a secure area. Um, and within, within that area, we have particular subjects. I mean, my background is in history, so we have History 7, History 8. Um, we have uh, IGCSE history courses. Um, but we also have something that we call the student cafe area, where students can socialize with one another. Um, now, the big difference between what we do and what other people do is, um, and I'm using a technical term here now, but I'll explain it, we run asynchronously. What that means is we do not run in real time. Um, effectively, at nine o'clock on a Monday morning, nothing happens, uh, especially at the North Star office. Um, our students can log in at any time of the day or night to uh, download their lesson materials and to work on their lesson materials. Now, to my mind, that is a pivotal issue. And I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell your listeners why in a moment. Um, well, and Steve, we're having to go on a really quick break. I don't believe this has gone so fast, but we're going on a quick okay, break. No, we, so it we, might be best to, to um, yes, save minute. that until we get back in about um, 90 seconds. So no run problem. off and get whatever you need to get and um, come back.
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Have you ever wondered why America is facing such a health care crisis? Then join us for Dr. Peter DeVette Live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. He'll answer your health care and medical questions and share with you his knowledge and opinions on topics ranging from holistic health care to spirituality and wellness. You'll find out about the roots of your health care challenges versus symptom management, the holistic approach. How the spirit, mind, and body connection is critical in both the development of illness and the solution to illness. How emotions are directly related to physical illness and how to read your body like a book. Dr. DeVette will also go through your personal questions and how you can navigate through the illness maze. Supplements, medications, therapies, treatment options, surgeries, all kinds of things related to your health. Dr. Peter DeVette live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Was sad because right. he had a death kill mommy and dad. Right. But that ain't the case. Nope. It wasn't his fate. No, nope. the was never struggled to communicate. Y'all mm-hmm. wave your hands. Look who's on. Yeah. It's the code of man Keith that he's number one. It's that Keith Wine Show on Toginet.com, Wednesday nights at 8, 7 Central. Every week, that Keith Wine Show will have guests that share their experiences, expertise, opinions, and personal lives with us to hopefully help us better understand others. The topics and guests will come from the American Sign Language community. For more on Keith Wine and the show, go to his website, KeithWannWann.com. Listen with an open mind and willingness to learn and help with the cultural bridge. Number, number one, Keith's number one. Everybody back. Don't miss that Keith Wine Show. Wednesday nights at 8, 7 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. I'm talking to Steve Richards, who is one of the founders of North Star Worldwide, a valuable global resource for homeschooling parents. And um, Steve and I were talking about um, the fact that there, was n- there were no time restraints. You could just log in because it's global any time of the day the students could log in. And um, as long as they paid, correct me if I'm wrong, as long as they paid, they're allowed into um, the restricted areas to view whatever they need to, to view. So carry on with what you were saying about that. Yeah. Well, as I said, just before before the uh, the break, I used that uh, dreadful word asynchronous. Uh, and what that means is nothing on North Star happens in real time. Um, and, and what that means basically is that we don't expect people to come on at nine o'clock on a Monday or 10 o'clock on a Tuesday in order to do a, a math lesson or a, or a geography lesson or whatever. Students are able to choose their times. Now, that that helps in a number of ways. Firstly, it does away with the whole time zone issue. Um, but more importantly, and this is why I think this is a pivotal thing, more importantly, it returns control for learning 
back to parents and children. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. something which I'm really, really, um, uh, you know, I find that it's a really important issue for us. Um, I don't want teachers and I don't want schools to be telling children, to be telling families when they should do things, how they should do things. For example, even down to how many subjects they should choose to do. That's okay. something which, um, which within North Star Worldwide, we return all of that power back to parents. So they choose the number of subjects they wish to study. They choose when they want to study. They can even choose through the year whether they want to um, concertina um, a whole term into half a term because perhaps in the second term they're going to be on furlough or they're going to be up country and away from, uh, from their computers. We provide families with an enormous amount of freedom. Um, and that is actually for some pretty big philosophical reasons, because we believe families are the people who should be making those decisions in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, when when you say that they can choose their, their subjects, are, are there curriculum choices within the subjects, or have you already chosen particular curriculum for particular subjects? Well, that, I mean, that's a good question. Um, uh, broadly speaking, we know that large numbers of our students are going to come back to the UK and um, that some of them will go back into school. Um, the, the, these are parents who are home, homeschooling on the mission field, they're not necessarily going to be doing it back back in the UK. We also know that within the British system, uh, for the last two years of, of formal schooling, that when the students are 15 and 16, um, they, they are likely to, to want to do our public examinations. Um, and there are syllabuses which the government uh, and the examination boards publish um, for those public examinations. So broadly speaking, our curriculum, although it doesn't follow exactly the UK national curriculum. We do shadow it. So we do go along with a fair bit of the UK national curriculum, adding materials to it because that curriculum is essentially secular. Um, so we we bring God back into that curriculum. Um, we, uh, we don't dismiss uh, discussions about evolution, for example, um, but we open that discussion to take into account that evolution is in our opinion a theory, uh, and alongside that, Christians believe uh, in in a, a creator God who made created reality. Um, so we provide our students with more rather than reducing it down. Obviously, in literature, we choose texts which are appropriate. We we avoid texts, maybe some texts which um, which Christians would be uncomfortable with. Um, but within our curriculum, there are not there there isn't a huge amount of choice. You know, in a history course, for example. In year seven, students would do the Romans, they would do the Normans, they would go do the sort of early Middle Ages. That's what all of our students would do. We don't provide choices within individual courses. All right. So now you've just you've, you've opened up another question. So your your world, your your um, what did you call it? Learning community yeah. um, is very English based. So um, if Americans were taking it, they would, they would have the pleasure of doing Norman history and, and Roman history, which, I mean, I don't know how many kids in American schools get exposed to that kind of um, history. So really, you're gearing towards the English families that are out in the mission field. And I suppose Calvert is gearing, I don't know, I suppose, yes. Well, we, uh, we were talking in the break a little bit about Calvert, and Calvert is geared towards the American side of history, perhaps. 
Yeah, I, I would. I would expect it to be. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I think that we. The, the, the difficulty for all of us working in education is to recognise that, you know, whether we are British educators, American educators, Canadian um, or Australian, we are bringing um, a whole set of, um, of cultural and national perspectives into our curriculum. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and it's often only when we speak with people from outside of our own curriculum experience that we realise just how much our curriculum is not the only curriculum, that actually this is a British curriculum or a South African mm-hmm. curriculum. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, if we come from a different context, then we would emphasize different things. Um, I mean, for example, one of the things we do is we, we help a, a school in Zambia um, and uh, we run uh, the GCSE history course there. Now, um, one of the key components in our GCSE history course normally is a, is a, a major study of Germany from 1919 to 1945. Um, now, one of the things that, that I, we were asked to do in the context of the Zambian school was, could we do something which had more of an African perspective? So instead of doing Germany, we're now doing Southern African history um, from the end of the 19th century up to the end of apartheid. Um, so there are ways that we can actually um, regionalize or nationalize um, our, our, our curriculum approach. And we try to do that. Um, the IGCSE that we study with our year 10 and 11 students, it stands for International GCSE. That's a University of Cambridge qualification, which has an international dimension to it so that students are exposed to other cultural experiences within within their curriculum material. Um, it isn't just a particularly British approach, although the 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 framework or the scaffolding still remains essentially a British curricular model. Mm. Now, I'm going to go to the tutors now. I looked online and I saw a really long list of um, the number of tutors, and you said that um, you link students with tutors. So how, how do they do that? Do they do that strictly via email? Or can they talk to them via Skype or telephone? How, do, how does that uh, work? It's, it's almost entirely by email. Um, and again, this is something which has grown up from the earliest days of North Star, where we were committed to this asynchronous model. Um, one of the things that we were eager to ensure was that our students had as much access to their tutors as possible. So we don't regulate how many times they can email their tutors, how many times they can they can actually send work to their tutors or ask for help or advice. But what we do have to do is we do have to protect our tutors from being overly burdened uh, from, for example, telephone calls, Skype calls, uh, and so on. So by and large, for the bulk of our students, they do not have... Um, Skype conversations with their tutors. Where that does change slightly is as students approach the uh, the end of their studies in year 11, as they approach their IGCSE examinations, um, some of our tutors will invite the students to do additional revision materials and they may well use uh, something like Skype. Although more often than not, what they're likely to do is use something which resembles more of an MSN type messenger facility where they actually bring a group of students together in real time and they, they type chat, um, within this MSN facility that we have within, you know, within our secure environment. The beauty of that is that we can then store those conversations 
and make them available to the students who aren't necessarily uh, able to come on at that particular time for whatever reason, so they so that all of our students have access to the resource. Now, when you're modifying, like, for example, the history, and you're the history, um, one of the history tutors or the history tutor, when you're modifying the curriculum to um, make it more international, you said... By modifying it, somebody would have to write that. And would it go into a textbook format of some sort, or would that just be accessible online? And who would write that? Okay, um, it, it wouldn't go into a textbook. It, it's likely that uh, it, we, we would we would look for textbooks which are which already exist in that material. Oh, okay. in, on the Southern African material, for example, there are a number of uh, of textbooks which are used, uh, which are published by British publishers, which mm-hmm. are available. And then we would create lesson material, which we would distribute as a as an Adobe Acrobat as a PDF file um, mm-hmm. based around. The, the textbook, and also, I mean, we provide all of our families with access to Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and again, we would make use of Britannica as a resource, pointing students to particular articles, to particular sections. And, and of course, there are, there are a sizable number of other web-based resources, YouTube, YouTube videos, and so on, that we would assimilate into our lesson material as well and point students towards. And so you do use textbooks. Do you mail them out to these people? The the textbook thing is one of the big thorny issues because certainly when I was at school, um, textbooks changed so rarely, it seems. You know, we we had books. I mean, I was in my secondary school in the late 60s, early 70s, and we had textbooks going back to just after the Second World War. Um, Now textbooks are changed by publishers regularly and frequently. Um, Now, in a school, a different edition may not be a problem, but in our situation, a different edition is is catastrophic because you want to refer to a particular page number um, Mm -hmm. and you want Mm -hmm. to say, we want you to read the section on page 66 to 68. Um, Now, it's no good saying, if you've got the second edition, look at these pages. Um, So changing textbooks is a nightmare for us and it gives mm-hmm. our tutors more hard work and more headache than anything else within within what we do but some years ago we had a discussion we we get we pull our staff together um uh, at least once a year to to have face to face discussions a sort of staff meeting come training session and we discussed then should we do away with textbooks completely it would simplify our lives even if we simply had to write an awful lot of material and, and you know, okay, and we'll yeah. buy, can can we get the answer to that question after this next break? By all means, all yes. right, all right. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Ministry is filled with both highs and lows, victories and struggles. It can be the best job of the world, but it can also be the hardest. Where do you find the balance between serving God and the joy of truly knowing Him? Wellspring, tending the heart of ministry. 
with Joanna Weaver. Thursday afternoons at 5 p.m. Central. Join us each week as pastor's wife, best-selling author, and host Joanna Weaver interviews women who serve God from the heart, both those who are well-known and those who minister in less visible ways. You'll discover tools for the ministry, but more importantly, you'll learn how to give God access to the deep places in your heart. For ministry is more than what we just do in public. It is who we are in private. Wellspring is here to inspire you to look into your heart of hearts and invest in the place ministry truly begins. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So join us for an hour that just might change your life. It's Wellspring, tending the heart of ministry with host Joanna Weaver. Thursday afternoons at 5 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Wondering how to market, where to invest, where to advertise, where to find the right advice, or what to do about taxes? Doing business today is a complex venture, and that's where all biz talk comes in. All Biz Talk helps businesses and individuals find the right path to their success and learn more about the ideas, products, and services used by today's top professionals. Success leaves clues, so if you want to be successful, it's always best to listen to the people who have already been where you want to be. Our hosts are unbiased and will ask the hard questions, taking your calls to help connect you with the right professionals, people who can help you get a better handle on your personal and business choices. All Biz Talk is not a financial services company and does not offer any financial advice, but we will help you make the right choice when it comes to planning your financial future. Join All Biz Talk Tuesday afternoons at 1 Pacific, 3 Central at allbiztalk.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. I'm talking to Steve Richards about his marvelous organization, North Star Worldwide, and um, he was telling us about a, um, um, a meeting, a staff meeting he was having with his tutors about the problem of textbooks. So what did you decide to do? In the end, we came to the conclusion that books were important, that actually providing students with the skills necessary to uh, to use the contents page, to use the index page, to okay. read textbooks, to work through textbooks, and to extract the information in those textbooks, those were all skills that we felt that even in this Internet age were important skills. And on that basis, um, we, we bit the bullet and said, okay, textbooks are here to stay. Let's carry on with them. Um, and that's where we are today. And, and for some of our families, that does pose a, a challenge. I mean, we have a family, for example, currently they're a Singaporean family and they're in Mongolia, in Ulaanbaatar. Now, how does one get books to Ulaanbaatar? Thankfully, um, the carriers and the couriers are very, very good, albeit that they can be expensive. The trick is, and this is some advice for, for some of your listeners if, 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 they are con- if they're considering going on the mission field. The trick is plan early and look for families who are, who are going to be coming out or people who are going to be coming out to visit you because they are the willing pack horses to bring the materials out free of charge. Mm-hmm. <coughs> now, it sounds as though each one of your tutors depending on how many children you have enrolled, and you've been going for quite a few years, so you've probably picked up a lot of children, um, are very busy and almost full-time. Is this, is this a full-time job for them, or do they teach in no, other No, not really. Um, no? We, 
I, I mean, most of our tutors work no, all of our tutors work on a part-time basis. We we mm-hmm. do ensure that our tutors do not have too many students because we know that uh, that is that is going to, um, with the best will in the world, that is going to affect the level of service they provide. Our tutors fall actually fall into, into mainly two distinct groups. There are those who have taken early retirement from teaching. Um, they love working with children uh, and. Um, North Star suits them. Of course, the beauty of working with North Star is that they themselves don't have to commit certain times of the day to work with us. So, for example, I mean, we have tutors who are in Australia. We have tutors in Latvia. We have tutors in Belgium, as well as a sizable number um, in, in the UK. Um, the other group of, of tutors uh, who are, that we've got working with us are a growing number of, of young mums who are themselves teachers. They've left the teaching profession to have their children and this style of working suits them enormously because they can work with North Star when their children have gone to bed or before their children get up in the morning. Um, so it really is um, it's a win-win situation for, for both, of our stu- mm. both our students and our tutors, really. Mm. So North Star Worldwide, anyone can pick it up, anyone can um, join. You don't have to be a missionary, you could be in England homeschooling. So obviously it would be a marvellous resource for homeschoolers here in England because it does provide the material for the students to be able to take those G- G- GSEs. GSEs? That's what they call it, G- yes. GCSEs, yes. They used to just be called GCEs when I was at school. Um, enabling them to get into the universities here and also the missionary, the, pe- the people who are missionaries when they come back to the UK, it enables the children to go back, fold back into the schools quite, quite um, effortlessly and without any huge upheavals as far as text and curriculum, whatever they've been learning, yeah. um, which, is, which is just wonderful, um, a yeah. wonderful way of um, servicing those people overseas and also um, supporting, as you, as you said, some of the parents were really, you know, didn't like the other choices, so we were almost forced to take the homeschool choice with no support whatsoever. So what do you do in the way of support groups? Is, is there maybe a chat for the mothers? You said there was a chat for the students. What about a chat for the parents? Yeah, we've got, uh, we have a, a, a parents and supervisors support area within on our system uh, and basically we have chat forums there where parents can go and ask questions um uh, they can have discussions uh with one another um and they can form friendships is the 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 lovely thing about north star is that um we know that both in terms of students and in terms of parents um you know we've got we've got reports of people forming significant friendships meaningful friendships with people um who they've never met they're thousands of miles away um uh, and, and yet they have uh, they've found sufficient commonality to become friends um mm. this is particularly the case with the students but it's also the case with some of the parents as well who you know the mums find that they've got um uh, some common concerns or some common worries um and we provide an area on North Star where they can they can chat about those and then of course they can exchange email addresses and if they want they can continue it um separately outside of our system um give me your website address uh, for for anybody who would like to go on and, okay. and look around on your website, okay, it's it's very easy. It's northstarworldwide.org. dot org. Okay, 
And um, it's not, I, I've actually been on there, and you've, you've got your prices on, on there, which I think is wonderful. A lot of times you go on to these sites, and there's no, you know, no prices anywhere, but you've got your prices on there. Yeah. And there's a slight, I, I thought was almost, you know, minute price for grading or, or marking students' mm. work. And I would think that that would be a lot. Do you get a lot of students that send in work to be corrected? Not really. No. I mean, to be no. honest, no. Um, we, 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 don't, we don't get many doing that. Um, I mean, we, all, we do run a, an exam centre um, at our main office here in Derbyshire as well, particularly for, stud- you know, for students who want to take University of Cambridge qualifications. And one of the things we do there, and that, that exam centre is not just for North Star students. It's also for uh, anybody who wants to take exams. So, for example, um, last October, when we last did exams, we had a, a 35-year-old chap who needed to get GCSE, IGCSE English in order to get on in his career. And he came and did an exam with us, which was, which was super. Um, but but um, in terms of the exam centre, I mean, we do have some, stu- some parents who send uh, practice exams in from time to time, um, uh, which... Uh, we then ask our tutors to mark as well. That's that's another facility which mm-hmm. um, which we do. In the end, I mean, all that we do at North Star, um, w- my wife and I are are committed to supporting home educators. Uh, long ago, that's what the Lord called us to do, and everything that we do within North Star is built upon that premise that we're here to actually provide support for home educating families, whether they buy into North Star fully or whether for other reasons they just need an exam centre or even, um, dare I say, even if they just need somebody at the end of a phone to have a natter with and to have a moan at because they're worried about something. They don't have to enrol with us, but we get lot, you know, we do get lots of people who just give us a phone call and, ha- you know, and have a chat. Um, and we're comfortable with that. Mm, that's wonderful. And Steve, I'm going to have to um, say goodbye now. We've come to the end of our time. It's been absolutely wonderful talking to you. And we've got lots and lots of wonderful information about North Star worldwide. I'm glad we were able to cover that with you this week or this time that you were with me. My guest this week was Steve Richards, a founding member of one of the home education groups here in England, Home Service, and also a, mem- um, a founder of and director of North Star Worldwide. .org, um, a, well, a community of learners and tutors who use the Internet to study together. And as a couple, they also homeschooled their own children, and they were able to offer first-hand support and resources to homeschooling families all over the world. Thank you so much, Steve, for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed our chat. You have a great weekend, and you yes. have a truly blessed Easter. That's the next big feast coming up. So you, goodbye. You Thank you. you. Thanks, Vivian. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right, that was, that was so great. That was a lovely conversation that we had, and it is similar to the Calvert curriculum, only it's just so much more intact on the Internet. Um, just bringing it up to date, I suppose, with our electronic age. Um, all right. Well, this week, um, a couple of things um, have been going on. I told you that my blue-eyed cowboy had been to the House of Lords to meet one of the lords. And we also went to an art exhibition at the National Portrait Gallery. Um, Lucian Freud, he had a famous grandfather, so his name Freud was already famous. And his art was, was very interesting. Um, some of them, some of his canvases were huge. Um, his portraits uh, chronicle his personal life and are um, an enigmatic record of time spent behind 
behind the closed door of his studio, he said of himself, I work from people that interest me and that I care about in rooms that I live in and know. So you, every, every painting, you could recognize the room and the settings, and you could recognize a lot of the um, sitters. Some of his, his sitters um, over the years were repeats. But it wasn't, it wasn't a happy feeling when we were going around that, that exhibit like you get with Monet or Renoir. There were those lovely bright colors. But he did use a lot of different colors when he looked up close. There were lots of colors in with the flesh hues of, of his faces and, and his bodies. And he was a very busy artist. He was in his 80s when he eventually died. And he said, when I stood up, I never sat down again. And he witnessed one of his paintings sell at Christie's for 30 million pounds. And yet, if he didn't feel that a painting was going well, he'd destroy it. I'd think twice if my work was that valuable. Anyway, well, it looks as though I have come to the end of my time and uh, with you this week. And um, I don't know where the time flies by this weekend. Since I'm feeling a little bit better, although my throat is still a bit sore, we're going to finish our taxes. Yes, we still have to do our taxes. And I think we may take a day trip somewhere. Um, the clocks spring forward on Sunday, so back to the six-hour time difference. And it'll immediately be light until 8 o'clock in the evening at last. So I'll be here same time, same place next week. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight. Our four children, who are the result of that belief. I miss you three in Texas. The hardworking staff at Tokenet Radio. My guest, Steve Richards. And you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindale, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, Pam, Charlotte, and many others who are part of my growing audience. Don't forget to listen to my friend Sandy Fowler on Mondays at 1 p.m. here on Toginet. And stay tuned all day to catch Ali Lepreet at 5 o'clock this evening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Doop, doop, doop. Doodle-doop. I can feel the tickle in my throat. So I just lasted an hour, which was pretty good, I think. See you next week. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on 